0: Hi friends, Alex here, and I am your host for the You Might As Well podcast. I am a recovering perfectionist and registered nurse pushing 30 who's simply taking the twists and turns of life one nap at a time. I'm here to document the highs, the lows, and everything in between as authentically as possible. Are you looking for a type A bestie to talk shit with? Or maybe you need to hear from someone who's on their own journey so you can realize we're more alike than you think. If that sounds like you, then you might as well keep listening because every Wednesday I'm bringing you relatable ass content. So grab your iced white mocha or your $3 Trader Joe's bottle of Merlot and let's fucking go. Beautiful people, welcome back to my podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. In today's episode, I am going to be talking about something that has been affecting me my whole life, but has recently resurfaced as a top priority for me in my health journey. Before we get started, we'll do our usual gratitude and affirmation practice. Love doing this at the beginning of every episode so that you guys remember that. It's super important to start your day with a positive mindset and a grateful heart. So today I wrote that I am grateful for my cozy home. I'm grateful for the ability to prioritize my health. I don't take that lightly. I don't think that, unfortunately, everybody has that option in their life. So I'm super grateful that I can do that. And I'm grateful for my marriage and my supportive husband. And as far as my affirmation for today, I really just repeated the monthly affirmation that I have for myself, which if you haven't heard it yet from the last episode that I did, my affirmation for the month that I wrote for myself is, I am doing my best. I have patience and time. And like I've said before, I basically just repeat that to myself over and over again in the mornings until I basically believe it. That's basically what an affirmation is. It's just kind of repeating a statement over your life that you want to adopt for yourself that you might not necessarily believe in the beginning. But once you start repeating it over and over, it really does kind of change the way that you perceive things. So yeah, I guess we can get started. So from the title, I don't know if you could tell, but By the way, I was super proud of myself for coming up with that really punny title. For those of you who know me, you know that I love a good pun. But basically today I'm talking about my history and my struggle with eczema. For those of you who don't know what eczema is, it is a chronic inflammatory skin disease. It is extremely common and it can be attributed to several factors. You know, some of them being like a dysfunction in the barrier that is your skin, an alteration in the response that your immune system gives, hypersensitivity, for example. And then it can also be attributed to environmental factors like allergies, etc. Now, what's at the core of eczema is basically, and I remember hearing this as a kid, it is that my skin lacks a certain protein that somebody without eczema does have, and that's called filigrin. And filigrin is basically the protein that's responsible for building the the strength of your skin barrier. And so without this protein, lots of things can get in, like bacteria, viruses, stuff like can make your eczema worse, and then things leave easier. So water, for example, moisture. My skin is extremely dry all the time, 24-7. It's typically actually a childhood chronic condition. According to the National Eczema Organization, it's estimated that 1 in 10 people develop eczema in their lifetime with the prevalence peaking in early childhood. So a lot of people that have eczema typically will have it within their childhood, and then they'll kind of grow out of it, so to speak. Unfortunately, that didn't happen to me. (laughs) I would have loved to grow out of this, but I did not. And just like with so many chronic conditions, there are a plethora of aspects that affect the quality of life with somebody with eczema. So for example, there is the physical aspect of the skin just being extremely dry, extremely irritable. You can see the flare- ups in, you know, if you're not where, like depending on where it is on the skin. Your skin, for those of you who don't know, it's the largest organ in your body and it is primarily responsible for detoxing via sweat, for example, and absorbing things. So a lot of people don't realize that things that you touch, they get absorbed by the skin pretty quickly. So the physical aspect, right of having just like extremely dry and irritable, flaky, broken skin. The number of dermatologist appointments that I have been to in my lifetime is honestly you you can't even put a number on it. And then the itch. Oh my god, the itch. I itch day and night, twenty four seven, three hundred and sixty five days a year. I am itching right now, actually. <laughs> I'm literally just like sitting here rubbing my hands against each other to scratch. It's like the worst feeling in the world and to scratch I'm just going to say it is an orgasmic feeling like you really try your best not to scratch. But when you get in a good scratch, it's like, you know, when you get just like an itch in your back and you're just like, oh, my God, you tell the person next to you, like, please scratch my back, you know, and it's just like the best feeling in the world. Now, imagine that all day long and you're just like trying your best not to scratch. That's eczema. And then there's the mental aspect, too, right? That's a huge piece, actually because stress and nervousness is a direct cause of flare-ups. There is a huge mind-body connection here, which is why I'm scratching right now. To be honest, every time I recorded a podcast episode, I do notice that I get a little bit nervous. I think that anybody would, to be honest, so I'm not going to guilt myself for that. But that is a, a huge piece. I remember growing up, whenever I was nervous to talk to my parents about something, or I knew I was getting in trouble for something, I would immediately start scratching. And that affected me a lot growing up because also I didn't really have a lot of friends growing up. I can't say that it was a 100% attributed to my eczema because I don't know what people were thinking. But I mean, I can only imagine kids can be really mean. So, you know, seeing a, a kid at that age when you're your brain isn't fully developed and you don't really know how to respond and you see somebody who has a bunch of redness and irritation and broken skin on their face, you know, that is not always going to have a positive reaction with kids. And so uh, I can't even tell you the amount of times that growing up, I had a fellow schoolmate come up to me and say, oh, my God, like, what is that on your face? Like, is that contagious? You know, people would tend to avoid me for fear that it was contagious. It is not. And then there's also so that, so there's that social like stagnation piece where like you don't, you don't really have a lot of friends or you don't really want to go out and be seen in public for fear of what people might think of you. Um, And that's just kind of like my experience growing up. This might not be the case for everybody with eczema, but I do think that it's the case for a lot of people. And then there's also like the willpower piece, right? Because if you have eczema, you know that scratching is going to directly make the situation a lot worse. It's not going to benefit you at all. So when you do scratch, you feel like shit because you know that you just made it so much worse. You might have made yourself bleed and you shouldn't have done it, but you like literally couldn't. And so it's kind of like having to tell yourself all day long, like, don't scratch, don't scratch, don't scratch, don't scratch, you know? So, yeah, there's that mental piece for sure. And then there's the financial piece, too, because like I mentioned, the number of dermatologist appointments that I had to go to growing up, it's just an incredible amount. And, you know, the cost of that, my my parents had to take that on when I was a child. But as an adult, I've had to take that on. And it's not only the cost of going to these dermatologists, it's also the cost of buying hundreds of different creams to try steroids, you know, all of the stuff and treatments and and perhaps testing to see you know, if there's anything else that we can do differently. So there's a lot of aspects, just like with a lot of other chronic conditions to eczema. So now that you know the basics, I can go ahead and talk about my personal history with eczema. So I was actually born with it. My mom says that literally second I came out of the womb, I had a little patch somewhere. And obviously, because of that, My childhood and then my adolescence and adulthood was just basically going to dermatologist after dermatologist using cream after cream. With eczema, the modern medicine treatment plan is to treat with steroid creams, sometimes in combination with antihistamines, to basically help kind of decrease some of that inflammation. You also have to change a lot of your lifestyle. So, you can't use anything with a fragrance. So, that includes perfume, laundry detergent, soaps you know, basically anything that you're touching that's in your environment or that's going on or in your body needs to be hypoallergenic if possible. I remember. At some point in my childhood, I visited a dermatologist and they asked if I wanted to be a part of a study. And my, my mom had said yes for me because I was still a minor. And I think they did what's called a patch test on my back, which is basically when somebody puts like common allergens in different areas of your back and then covers it and then keeps it there for a certain period of time so that they can see how your skin reacts to the allergen to see if you're basically allergic. And I think that like my entire back was red. And I remember them telling me that I basically had to only wear 100% cotton for the rest of my life. And I was like, okay, well, that's not really living life. And I'm not, I'm certainly not going to go to the mall and only choose clothes that are 100% cotton. Like, come on. And then there was another period of my life where I remember, I think I was in middle school at this point, and it was so traumatizing now that I think about it. I remember I had gotten so bad at one point that both of my arms were essentially raw. I had no superficial layer of skin anymore. It was just kind of like imagine if you have a blister and you peel back the top layer of like the bubble, and underneath what you see is like that pink moist, like weepy. Oh, I hate that word moist. But like that pink weepy or red weepy skin, that's not really like skin. It's like the under layer. That's basically what both of my arms look like. And so I ended up having to like emergently visit a dermatologist. And I remember them doing what's called a wet wrap, which I still have to do sometimes to this day on myself, not for as lengthy of a period of time. But essentially what it is, is when you put either a medication or a treatment on the skin and then you cover it with a sterile wet compress and then you cover that with a dry compress and you keep it on for several hours if not several days depending on how bad the skin is so that it can facilitate healing and it can kind of just like lock the moisture in. And I remember them, they didn't put any, I don't think they put any medication on my arms, but they literally just put like a bunch of sterile water on my arms. They covered my arms completely with gauze. And I think I had to go to school like that for like a week or two. It was so embarrassing. So yeah, that was a fun time. And then eventually I kind of just lived my life this way for several years and then I remember I was in nursing school and a friend of mine had actually told me that she had a friend with severe eczema who was going on a new medication that had just been recently FDA approved and that this drug was supposed to be like a miracle drug for eczema and that all her patches were gone and you know she basically had been like healed so I was like yes please 100% sign me up I don't care what it is give it to me I'm going to do it. So I found out what the name of the drug was. And then I got in contact with a new dermatologist at the time. Because after a while, when you've been suffering from a chronic disease for some time, like you just, you get so tired, guys. I mean, it's literally so exhausting. I hadn't seen a dermatologist in in years, I think. Because you just, you kind of, you learn how to deal with it. You just learn how to deal with it on your own. There's nothing new that they can offer you. And you just kind of go about your Your merry way. So, I found a new dermatologist and I basically had to go through the whole process again of showing them that my body doesn't respond to steroid creams. You know, nothing is working for me, whatever. Fast forward, they put me on this drug. It's an injectable medication and it was called Dupixent. Now, Dupixent works by blocking a protein under the skin that helps your immune system function to fight off viruses or bacteria. So it kind of blocks your immune system in a way. So I guess you can kind of call it an immunosuppressant drug, which I think depixant can help with other things too, like asthma, which is why I'm also an asthmatic. And I, asthma and eczema, if you don't already know, they tend to go hand in hand. If you find somebody with eczema, nine times out of 10, they're also going to have asthma. And I think it did help with my asthma as well. So I went on this drug and you had to basically inject yourself every 2 weeks and it had to go into your stomach or your leg. And at first I was doing it myself which was not fun because yes, I am a nurse who's afraid of needles. Don't make fun of me. But then after a while I kind of got Chris to start doing it for me, which was fun because he kind of like saw it as a fun game. If he was like angry with me, he could just inject me and it was like cathartic for him. But yeah, so I had to do this injection every two weeks. And I ended up going about doing that for about two years, I want to say. For the first year, I was super compliant. I would really inject myself every two weeks because it helped so much. I cannot take that away from this drug, guys. My flares were down like ninety six percent. I barely had anything on my skin. I was functioning like a normal person. I was able to use creams with fragrances again and perfume, and it was just I was living my best life truly. But first of all, after a while of doing this, I mean years, you know you get tired of injecting yourself every two weeks, so then you start to kind of get a little laxadaisical with it. And two weeks turns into three weeks, and then three weeks turns into four weeks. So I started to kind of get non-compliant with it, but it was still helping, just not as much. And then, you know, eventually it got to the point where I'm at now, and I'm kind of wanting to get off all medications. I truly don't believe that as humans, we are meant to be on medications daily to survive. I don't think that that's Normal. And so I officially stopped taking the Dupixent back in December. I was already not really very compliant with it to begin with. I think it had been like two months since I had taken it. So I just kind of decided I was not going to take it again, especially when you consider how it works. You know, it's like suppressing your immune system. We don't want that. Your immune system is meant to help you. So obviously, with stopping the medication, the flares have now come back. And we are kind of like in a present day with all of these, you know, flares that have resurfaced, mostly on my arms, hands and face. And with these flares that have resurfaced comes past trauma. Yay. And also comes, you know, the the social stagnation. I can't say that I want to be in public all the time. I'm not the most confident that I've ever been. I have an insane nighttime routine where I literally lather myself in creams and oils until I literally look like a bottle of Vaseline. Shout out to my husband who still loves me after seeing me this way every single night. And I'm basically going through now what's called toxic steroid withdrawal or TSW. And it's basically a reaction that happens when your body's used to receiving steroid medications long-term and then suddenly you stop. And so it's basically like eczema on steroids. Your body just kind of comes back and flares 10 times worse. The redness is worse than it ever can get. The dryness is worse than it ever can get. And that's just kind of, to me, a testament to what what steroids can do, right? That's why I don't think we're meant to be on them long term. Don't get me wrong, and this is a whole other episode, modern medicine and pharmaceuticals have their place in the world, I just don't think that they should be used to manage chronic conditions. So what's next for me? Because I'm on this new journey to heal myself naturally and kind of get to the root cause of a lot of my issues, I have recently met with a naturopathic doctor, which if you don't know what that is, I will cite you from the Association of Accredited Naturopathic Medical Colleges. Naturopathic doctors basically combine the science and healing properties that nature has to offer with modern science. So they are trained as like your regular primary care providers who can diagnose you, treat you, manage your conditions, acute and chronic, but they also address disease and dysfunction at the level of the body, the mind, and the spirit, which I don't know when the last time that your primary doctor asked you if you've meditated today, but the naturopathic doctor will. So you may be wondering what the difference is really between the naturopathic doctor and the medical doctor based off of what I just said. And to give you just kind of like a little insight on that, both of them have to attend an intensive program for med school, completing you know pre-med courses and all of that stuff. And then the first couple years, they have extremely similar, if not identical course load, which would include you know, your basic sciences, et cetera. But then where they start to branch off into their differences is towards the end of their curriculum, they start to learn more about non-pharmaceutical, non-surgical approaches to healing, which might include therapeutic counseling, nutrition, herbal medicine, stuff like that, which you might learn in traditional med school, but you won't learn it to the extent that a naturopathic doctor might learn it. And I know that for sure because in nursing school, I was taught about alternative therapies, which is what they call, you know, anything that's basically not Western medicine, acupuncture, massage, herbal remedies, stuff like that. But the curriculum is basically just scratching the surface of alternative therapies. You really don't go into depth about how they can help or, or all of that stuff. So yeah, I met with a naturopathic doctor very recently. I really enjoyed the conversation that I had with her. It was extremely informative. I figured that there would be some form of issue regarding my gut health or imbalance with my liver. For those of you who don't know or don't have a background in science, your liver is basically in charge of detoxing all the toxins that your body might absorb on a daily basis. And that is a lot in today's society. But again, that's an episode for another day. And when that overflows, it has nowhere else to go but your skin. Typically, where we detox is in our urine, in our stool. If that has nowhere else to go, then you're going to try to detox through your skin. And that's where acne comes about, eczema comes about, all of that stuff. And so I figured that this was going to be an issue just because of my basic knowledge in biology. But it's always interesting when you hear definitively from a provider you know this is the actual issue this is what we're gonna have to do so my next steps include getting blood work done testing my gut microbiome which is like the the bacteria in my gut to make sure sh- to see if they're you know if it's healthy if it's mostly healthy mostly unhealthy bacteria testing food sensitivities all that good stuff probably gonna have to change my diet a lot And this is all with the sole purpose of getting to the root cause of what is causing this inflammation and this issue with my eczema. I have really never gone to these lengths to do this. Like I said, I do think that my mom did tell me that when I was younger, she tried to change my diet and do some things holistically or naturally to get rid of it, which didn't really work. But... I have never really tried in my adult life to get to the root of it or to heal myself from the inside out rather than just put a topical cream on it or a steroid or whatever and call it a day. And so I'm really excited to kind of learn more about my body. I'm also extremely nervous because I know this is going to be an incredibly long journey for me and it's going to probably be very, very hard. It's probably going to be very physically and emotionally taxing, but you know what they say, good things come, or nothing good is, what is, it, what is it What is it? that they say? Good things come to those who wait, or nothing good is easy. Something along those lines. So yeah, that's basically my history with eczema, my experience with eczema in a nutshell. Let me know if you want to hear what kind of swaps I have already made to lessen my toxic load in my home and in my body and what products I'm using If you are an eczema girly like myself, I will try to remember to update you guys as I work on healing. Like I said, I created this podcast basically with the intention that this would be my personal diary that I could go back on and listen to and see how far I've come. So I imagine that I will update as I go along. And I hope that this helped educate you if you either know someone with eczema or have eczema yourself or didn't know anything about eczema. And if you do have eczema, then I hope that this made you feel less alone. And I hope that this gives you some hope in that you are capable of healing yourself. I know I had to hear that this week. I got personally extremely anxious about going through this process of seeking care again and just kind of starting from scratch. And I'm so lucky that I have the support system that I have because truly I needed to have that reminder from the people who are closest to me and who know me to my core that I am capable of healing myself. Nobody knows my body better than I do. And this is my time. And I'm so excited. And I hope that If you have eczema, this empowers you to do the same. Go out and heal yourself because nobody else is gonna take care of you like you can. Girl, and that's it. All right, so that's all I have for you guys today. Next week, we're gonna have our second guest on the podcast and she is my very best friend in this whole wide world. I'm so excited to have her on. We're basically gonna be talking shit, and drinking wine with microphones so that's going to be super exciting I hope you guys have an awesome rest of your day and an awesome week and I will talk to you next time bye hey wow so you're still here that's awesome thank you so much for sticking around I hope you liked that episode. If you did, do me a favor and leave me a review wherever you're listening so that I know I'm not talking to myself. I hope you guys have an amazing day, an amazing week, and I will talk to you next time. Bye!